and welcome to this week's edition of Liberty Through the Word with Senior Pastor Mark Elin of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Beloit, Wisconsin. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is to say that the Word of God provides us with physical, moral, and spiritual freedom. Let's tune our hearts and listen to Assistant Pastor Mark Testerman as together we experience liberty through the Word. I want to speak a word into our hearts this morning called the anchor holds. What do I mean by that? You see, Jesus Christ is the anchor. And I know there are people listening today that are going through some difficult, difficult times in life. Matter of fact, there are people listening that have been through a season, an extended season of difficulty and loss. But I want you to know something. If you are hanging even by a thread and that thread is connected to God, you can climb life's most difficult mountains. Because the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that, my friends, is a promise by the Father. And that word has got to begin to rise up in our hearts as we think about His anchor holding us steadfast even in spite of the storms of life. The Apostle Paul knew all about storms. The Bible says he had been shipwrecked three times. The Bible says he had spent a night and a day in the open sea. He knew all about the storms of life, yet the Lord was with him. The Lord taught him things in the midst of the storms. In the midst of life's most difficult times. When it felt like punishment. It wasn't punishment at all. It was simply a season that came Paul's way. But Paul persevered. Paul had the right heart. And God brought him safely through the storm. And in the book of Acts, chapter 27, beginning at verse 9, the Bible says much time had been lost and Salem had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. Here is the Apostle Paul. He is a prisoner on a ship with other prisoners and cargo. And the Apostle Paul begins to look out upon the waters that day. And in spite of what the waters promised, the Apostle Paul knew that they were going to run into trouble out there on the sea. But yet these ungodly men that were in charge of the ship, the captain, the pilot, whatever you want to call them, the owner of the ship, they looked out at the same seas that Paul was looking at. And they said, baby, let's sail on. Let's move on. And the apostle Paul pleaded with them, please don't go out upon them seas. That's a picture, my friend, of life for the sinner, the person who does not know God, he looks out there and says, hey, everything looks great. But then he finds himself up on seas that he can't navigate on, seas that he's crying out upon. I want you to know something. God loves you no matter what you go through in life. God is waiting with open arms to receive you and me. Anytime we'll bow our knee before him and with our tongue confess that he's the Lord. Give him our sin and ask Jesus Christ to come and live in our heart. He will receive you. So they wouldn't listen to the Apostle Paul. 
And they decided to sail on. And I want you to see, beginning in verse 13, what begins to happen. The Bible says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they'd obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. There were two or three things that rose up in my heart as I began to look at that particular scripture. The Bible says, they thought they'd obtained what they wanted. You know, I want you to know something that a thought will take you to a place. There's the story of a man named Larry Waters, a true story. Out in California several years ago, that wanted to know what his neighbors were doing across the way. They had a wall, a fence that separated their two properties. So he went down to the Army-Navy surplus store. And he bought several, 45 I believe it was, of those large weather balloons, those helium balloons. And he came home and he staked a lawn chair to the ground. And he tied those balloons filled with helium to that lawn chair. He grabbed a BB gun and an axe. And he sat down in the chair. He had the BB gun just in case he started floating too high. He could shoot a few of those balloons and adjust his height in the air. And he reached over and he chopped the ropes. Well, he thought that he was just going to gently float up in the air. But he shot up into the air 11,000 feet. This is a true story. There was a DC-9 that was trying to land at Los Angeles International Airport. When he radioed the tower and said, I'm trying to land, but there's this dummy up here that is floating around in a lawn chair. Well, of course, the news media began to get involved and they followed this man as he was floating through the sky. Fortunate for Larry Waters, those balloons, as they began to lose their strength, began to easily and gently bring him to the ground. The news reporter came up to him and he asked him two questions. The first question was, do you wish you'd have never done that? And he said, yeah. And he said, did you learn anything from that? And he said, yeah. He said, I learned that I was going to go to a place that I didn't want to go a whole lot quicker than I wanted to get there. I want you to know something today that a thought will take you to a place. It might be a place that you want to go, but once you get there, you're going to be sorry that you're there. That's why it's important to know the will of God and the mind of God. And the Apostle Paul knew the will of God. He knew the heart of God, the mind of God. And he tried to warn them men, them stubborn men, but they wouldn't listen. And they sailed on. Oh, that reminds me of the Titanic. In spite of the warning, 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 one right after the other, they said, listen, this ship is unsinkable. Let's sail on. I want you to know that is arrogance, that is a fist in the face of God, that is pride to God and before God. And that's what these men had in their heart too. A thought will take you to a place. The Bible says when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had what they wanted or, or what they needed that day. The mind of a sailor is very simple. 
Oh, just give me a south gentle breeze. Oh, I can move on. I want you to know God's an abundant God. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold and all the silver are his. He'll give you more than a south gentle breeze. He'll give you the keys to the kingdom of God. He's an awesome God. A God to be feared. A God to be loved and adored and revered. What an awesome God he is. The Bible says when a gentle south wind began to blow. And I want you to say in your heart, that is a calm sea. That's exactly what kind of sea they were upon that day. They began life upon a calm sea. And I believe there are people that are listening today that say, listen, my life is so calm. My life, my life is so caressing right now. My life is so comfortable. Well, you better praise God. Give God some glory for that because it won't always stay that way. That's the way it was when these men started too. These men had a sense of we're in control. We're on course in life. We've got a sense of direction in life. Things are fine. The seas are cooperating with us in life. Oh, there's not much resistance that's coming against us. Oh, life is so worth living. Oh, I'm having the time of my life. And I want you to know something. That is a picture of the world, the people that don't know God. Uh, they begin to look at the things in life. Oh, just the things in life. And they begin to, to equate them somehow with blessings of God. But listen, my friend, the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And the sun rises on the good and the bad or the good and the evil. That is not a picture of the blessings of God. Someone might say, well, listen, my relationships are great in my life. I get along with my wife. I get along with my husband. We're having a great time together. They might carry it over into their work environment and say, listen, oh, work is plentiful. I'm getting plenty of overtime. I'm getting promotion after promotion. Oh, I'm doing so well. I'm excelling in life in my job. My bank account is growing. Hey, listen, my savings account is multiplying. Huh? It's growing for me. I'm doing well. They may look at it and say, listen, we bought our first new home in life. We've got our first new car in the garage. And our first new baby boy is in my wife's stomach. They may say, listen, I've been to the doctors. And the doctors tell me there's nothing wrong with me. I've got a clean bill of health. Life is so good. But I want you to know something that God loves you far too much to leave you in a situation like that. I'm not, to, I'm not saying that he sends the storms in our life, but I want you to know something. He'll take his hands off of you for a moment and he'll allow the storms to come your way. So when these men started out, the Bible says a gentle south wind began to blow and they thought they'd obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor. That is to say, they lifted the anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. It was a calm sea. But I want you to see what happened in verse 14. The Bible says, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. That is to say, it was a cranky sea now. That is to say, it was a sea that was crabby and crotchety and cantankerous. I want you to know something. It can move from a calm sea to a cranky sea very quickly in life. Amen. It can move that fast. But I want you to hear me again. The most valuable lessons we'll ever learn in life are not found upon the calm seas of life. They're found upon the cranky seas of life. I was reminded by the Lord of the story of the disciples 
with Jesus in the boat. Jesus sleeping in the bottom of the boat. The disciples straining at the oars because the seas were so cranky. Finally, when they were exhausted, they said, Jesus, don't you care about us? We're going to drown. Jesus woke up, looked around, stood up and rebuked the wind and the waves and all was calm again. The disciples looked in amazement and said, who, who is this guy? What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want you to know something. They learned a valuable lesson that day upon the cranky seas of life. Upon the calm seas, hills was the cranky sea. The wind of hurricane force, we're talking about an awesome wind. A wind that when it comes today, we evacuate the neighborhoods. We evacuate entire cities and move them on. This was a hurricane force wind called the Northeaster, and it swept down from the island. In verse 15, the, the Bible says, The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. And something began to rise up in my heart in that particular scripture. It's the word, so we gave way to it. I believe that there are certain things in life that we ought to give way to. For example, we walk up to a door and there's a woman present. We ought to give way to that woman and hold the door and say, go on through, ma'am. I believe our manners need to rise up. But I also believe there's things that we ought to take control over. Listen, the sea was not only calm and cranky, but the sea became controlling. That that is to say the sea began to control them and order them around and usurp authority over them and boss them around. I want you to know that God has put the authority in us over the wind and the wave. God has put the authority in us to move mountains. God has put the authority in his people to rise up against adversity and circumstances of life. It was a calm sea and a cranky sea and now my friend it was a commanding sea and I want us to read on. It says right there, so we gave way to it and were driven along. In verse 16, as we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Oh, now look at the next verse. Verse 18. The Bible says we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo Overboard. We have seen a calm sea and a cranky sea and a commanding sea, but now in verse 18 we see a cruel sea. Let's read that verse again. We took such a violent battering. You know what a violent battering is? Violent means coarse, it means very unforgiving. Listen, it literally means that sea was trying to drown them folks. They took a violent battering from the sea. It was a cruel sea. A person might say, well, it's my life, and I will live it the way I want to live it. My response to you is, you're absolutely right. But I want you to hear the heart of God. Do you understand the cost of living your life the way you want to live it? Do you understand the cost? The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not, that's the devil, but for to kill, steal, and destroy. That is his mission in life, to kill, steal, and destroy from you. He doesn't care about you in any other way. He wants to take everything that's yours. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy from you. You say, can you prove according to the word of God that's what he wants to do? I sure can. In chapter 27, verse 38, the Bible says when they had eaten as much as they wanted, 
they lighten the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they had to lighten the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. The first thing I see that Satan stole from these men in this ship was their groceries. That is to say their grain or their wheat. You say, what's the big deal about stealing your groceries? Listen, the groceries are what strengthens you in life in terms of physically. Satan wants your strength. You see, if he can get your strength, he knows he'll keep you in bed. He knows that you'll be bedridden. The first thing that that Satan stole from them was their groceries. I also want you to look at verse 18. It says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw their cargo overboard. Not only did Satan steal their groceries, but Satan stole their goods. That is to say, their baggage. That is to say, their possessions. I want you to know something. We've got a lot of baggage in life. We've got a lot of possessions in life. And Satan is out to steal them. The Bible says that money answereth all things. And it's with the money that we buy our possessions, our baggages in life. That was the second thing they lost. The next thing they lost was their gear. Look at verse 19. On the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. You know what gear is? Gear are the essentials. They are the things that they were dependent upon. Listen, they weren't just the fishing poles that went overboard that day. Other things went overboard that were more essential. Anything that had some weight to it that they could lighten the ship with, they began to toss overboard. I want you to know something. That is a picture of your health. I want you to know something. That is a picture of your health. The essentials in life. The things that you're dependent upon in life. That's one thing that Satan will steal from you. But Satan stole something from the men that day that was more important than groceries, goods, and gear. He stole their guarantee. Look at verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. That is to say that he stole their guarantee. That is to say that he stole their hope and their faith and their assurance Because I want you to know something. He was after their sanity. He was after their mind. What does it mean to lose your guarantee? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I want you to know something. When God guarantees something, it is truth and it will happen. And God has said he's put his spirit on the inside of us, guaranteeing it. It's a deposit. Anytime you put a deposit down on something, I want you to know something. That means you're coming back for it. Amen. And when God put a deposit down on us, He was saying, I'm coming back for you. So we can find ourselves in situations where we have a loss of assurance. We have a loss of hope. We have a loss of victory. But I want you to know something. It does not equate into that we have a loss of salvation. The sea was very calm and then cranky. and Very very commanding and very cruel. And it began to consume things out of these men's lives. That's because it is a consuming sea. 
their groceries, their goods, their gear, their guarantee. The Bible says, then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Do you know what that word survive means? That word survive. Now listen, this is a very careful picture. That word survive means salvation. He said, I urge you to eat. As God's word begins to go forth and it begins to compel people to come to God. We urge people to eat from the bread of life. For it is salvation unto our soul. The Apostle Paul said, not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. And they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. And the Bible says, when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. But when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the, the rudders. They then hoisted the foresail to the wind and made way for the beach. And I want you to see what happened in verse 41. The Bible says, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. And finally, my friends, I want to say to you, you have the picture of a crushing sea. And that is to say, when life seems like it's caving in on you, and it's squeezing you, and it's putting pressure upon you, it is a crushing sea. But I want you to know something. Jesus in the, is in the midst of the most crushing seas of life. And I want to say to you, if you want to get through these awesome storms of life, we've got to see what the Apostle Paul did. What kind of attitude, what kind of heart did he display? I believe it's the kind of heart a Christian should display. First of all, he had courage in calamity. That is to say, verses 21 and 22, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be, will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. He displayed courage in calamity. Not only did he do that, but he also displayed confidence in Christ. Verses 23, 24, and 25. The Apostle Paul said, Last night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. That is confidence in Christ.
And as we begin to look further into this story, we see that Paul also displayed command and chaos. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of the ship breaking apart, in the midst of that ship coming apart, Paul was there to encourage the men and to feed them the bread of life. Paul took command in the midst of chaos. That's how a mature Christian should handle the cranky seas of life, the crushing seas of life. My friend, I want you to know something, though, if you don't belong to God. There are three things that await you. Number one, the false seduction. In verse 13, the Bible says a gentle south wind began to blow, and they thought they'd obtained what they had wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed on. That is a false seduction. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to lead you to believe that everything is just fine in life. That is a false seduction. Not only is there a false seduction, but there's a furious storm. Verses 14 through 38, read them sometime. I mean, a furious storm came upon them. But I wish it was the end that we could just weather the storm. But if you don't know God, you read verses 39 through 44, and you're going to find there's also the fateful shipwreck that's going to come your way. They ignored the man of God and they received injury. When they listened to the man of God, they received life. And I want you to know something before. If you're not serving God, there's a fateful shipwreck out there for you somewhere. But God has made it so easy to come to Him he has sent His only beloved Son. His name is Jesus. The Bible says, if we'll turn our hearts over to Jesus, we don't have to experience that fateful shipwreck. And I want to lead you in a prayer today in the name of Jesus that will change your life forevermore. Father in heaven, I come to you just as I am, a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, I look to you for what I need today. I need the grace of God and the blood of Jesus in my life. I turn away from my sin, and I turn my heart toward Jesus today. And Father, I thank you that you've made a way for, for me to arrive safely on the shores of heaven without experiencing a fateful shipwreck. I receive Jesus into my life today as King and Lord, and I promise to walk in the grace of God. I believe that He died in, for my sins and rose again, and I receive Him right now into my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We pray that this word is ministered to you today in a powerful way. 
It is our prayer that the body of Christ be whole and healthy to accomplish the last day's work. Liberty Through the Word is a ministry of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Lloyd, Wisconsin. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast, we'll send it to you for a love gift of any size. You can contact us at 1525 Liberty Avenue, on the web at libertychristianfellowship.com, or by calling us at 608-365-0866. When you contact us, just mention the date of this broadcast. We thank you and boldly declare that there is liberty through the Word. God bless.